Hello, everybody, and welcome to WTS 190. Up to 90. Well, 190. Cracks always 190 with you, Graham. I'm American. How are you? You good. Every 10 episodes should be a, an anniversary celebration. Of of anything in particular, like, or just... Oh, just having the lols of you and I. It's cause, like... Yeah, just cause, just cause we're still going. Yeah, over 220-something episodes later. But it's 190. People, people, <laughs> people don't count the 600, Graham. People forget no. about the 600. Yeah, yeah, so we've done over 200 in four, over four years. Yeah, there you go, man, there you go. Some would say prolific. Others would say persistent. Others would say, have you not got the hint yet? But I yeah. say, there's plenty more gas in this tank. Graham Merrow Merrigan of Glenavon Park, Ballybrack. Why don't you introduce the guest that is going to keep people entertained on WTS 190 this week? We have, what, who we're speaking to this week is a host of another uh, podcast. Um, we like to do the kind of get other podcasts on and us go on to there. So we're going to do that with this with this yeah, host. Now ro- rivals, just friends. Just mates, just mates. Was, so we have uh, the brilliant Matt Burke from the Magic Minds podcast. How are you, Matt? I'm absolutely fantastic, lads. It's absolutely, I swear to God, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to actually come on the podcast. I know people say that, you know, but Jesus, I genuinely mean it. it's an absolute honour. Deadly. Thank, thanks, thanks for your time. And look, look Matt, I mean, it was your suggestion. Can I, can, I, can I tell you a little story about that? All right, go on. Go for it. Go I, straight, straight in. I, I, I decided that I'd reach out to you, you know, and I'd uh, reach out to other people about collaborating and, you know, raising the profile of our uh, podcast. But straight away, it, it, it invoked fear and memories of childhood, right? So I see your podcast and the likes of the big boys out there as the, the top guns in podcasts. And I was like... I can't be asking him, can I come on that podcast? And it reminded me of when I asked the girl out in fifth year and she laughed in my face. Oh, I no. said, do you want to go out on a date? And she just broke her bollocks laughing at me and walked away. So when I was writing you that text, I was like, I hope you don't laugh in my face. But I knew you wouldn't because I had you on the podcast and, and I, I like your stuff and I love the kind of vibe you do in the community. And I said, nah, this is all good. And I was absolutely delighted with your response. And yeah, look, I'm here. So yeah, if, if, when you were in fifth year, did you not get your mates to ask girls out like me? <laughs> Look, I didn't have any mates, so I had me me, me twenty fours in the telephone box. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, you're the you're the host of the Magic Minds podcast, but yeah. also uh, you you work in the National Rehabilitation Hospital, which is actually quite close to ourselves in Ballybrack. Tell us a bit about what you do there and how you got into it. Up the brack, eh? Brack, brack is brack is me second home. I want you to adopt me. So I'm part of the brain injury program uh, in the National Rehab. So I deliver cognitive rehabilitation to adults with an acquired brain injury. People over 18, they've had TBIs, ABIs, and they've been home for a little while. We're not in a queue hospital. So we're kind of like an outpatient and people come to our unit when they want to rehabilitate back into to the community or you maybe go back to work, college, are just basically integrating back into the community uh, and it's based on their goals and it's it's like a, it's a training universe it's delivered uh person centered to whatever their goals and needs are so it's a very unique program it's absolutely amazing uh the hospital has several amazing programs you know we've got the, the spinal we've polar 
we've pediatrics, then we've the outpatient. So we're just one of the small services within the hospital. We're within the brain injury program. How did you get into that, Matt? Uh, it was Jesus Graham. It was kind of just by fluke. It was a happy accident. Uh, my I went back to college late as a mature student. Well, definitely older. Definitely probably not mature. Uh, and I was studying. I done personal training, leisure management. I done all that kind of stuff. And then I went on and done a science degree. And I kind of saw myself going down the road as sports science, working with football teams, uh, within something within sports. And then. A, a, a kind of a teaching role kind of took me me eye and I went to Weefield Prison so what I done was I sent loads of CVs out to different places I want to make my CV unique to a lot of the young lads that be graduating the same as me so I reached out to places like the NRH uh, through a, to an old manager of mine and then also to Weefield and I went to Weefield for, for a year I was teaching anatomy and physiology up there and then while I was doing that, uh, the manager of uh, the program in the, the hospital asked me to come and do some work with them. And I designed the module Healthy Living for People with Disabilities. So basically, introducing what healthy living is, but then also I, I, I added an exercise module to it. Because I believe anyone can participate in physical activity. And I just, you know, made something out of nothing. I just said, look, if we can't do that, we'll do this. If we can't do that, we'll do that. And just made it accessible to people with disabilities and, and don't make it like, you know, yourself, it's very hard, the accessibility is in some place. So I wouldn't say if you can't get to a gym, you can do this, you can do that. You know, I, I think exercise plays a small role in, in healthy living. I think there's so much more. And I always thought that and that was kind of my, my idea. And then a kind of a, a, a role come up within the hospital in that program. I kept going back, come, going back and as I say, a role come up. I didn't get it. And I went to the physio department as a physio assistant. I just I just loved working in the hospital and I just I would have done anything just to hang on there. You know, uh, it's an amazing place to work. It's so positive. It's such a, a progressive, beautiful, sound and fun environment, you know, and that's kind of counterintuitive to what people might think. Fun environment, the NRH, brain injury, spinal, but the patients are human beings. They love having the crack. They don't want the the disability to be that all that they are, you know, they want to be treated like human beings and 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 you know, they're not just a, an illness or a disability, you know. So, in that sense, it, it's cool, you know. That's mad. I'm That's fascinated. I'm fascinated by by the work um, that you do, Matt. In the sense of, <clears throat> I'd always describe myself as somebody who has kind of a morbid curiosity, and uh, I know that probably sounds more negative than, than what I mean it to. But like, uh, as anyone who listens to this podcast, and Meryl's about to roll his eyes in the back of his head here, but anyone who listens to this podcast knows I go down these rabbit holes every so often. Where I, I, find I love your rabbit it. holes because you haven't had one in a while, but when you have a rabbit hole, I often wake up on a Saturday morning about 10 o'clock, <laughs> 9, 9, 10 o'clock. You're already up since half four, and I have about 10 unanswered audios. <laughs> I'd love to be on. Can we start a group? Can I get into this WhatsApp group? Yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll, you'll regret it. it. Well, You'll regret it man. after a week, man. Um, but I, won't I, say I, I, don't... Kicks, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of hole. Um, but we go down these rabbit holes, and basically, I, like a, I find the topic. I'll just it might only be a small article, or I might have just seen two minutes of something on telly, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's mad." I must learn more about that, and just from there. And um, when they're saying about head injuries. Years ago, I can't remember how long ago now, but I'd say at least maybe five, possibly six years ago, I watched this documentary called The Crash Reel. And I can't remember the name of the guy who it was, but he was a snowboarder who suffered a brain injury. And the documentary is kind of following his recovery uh, and the stuff he was doing and all that. And 
even just from the point of view of uh, him going and talking to, you know, his, his fellow professional snowboarders and their reaction to talking to him for the first time since his accident and that kind of thing. And one of the things that fascinates me was that, you know, he was he was recovering. He was uh, he he wasn't a hundred percent, but he he was far enough along on his recovery journey that he was able to have the conversation with the lads. But they weren't quite sure how to react to him, like, and it was just this kind of mad balance. And with you working on these things kind of firsthand, how you know, did, did the guys that you're working with ever experience something similar? Did they ever have to kind of go, oh, people are being still a bit weird with me, or do you ever come across those issues? Oh, look, 100%, 100%, Roy, uh, let's not have a willy measure competitions across disabilities, Roy, but brain injury is really difficult. I know you only have experience with that, and I, I don't I know with people with uh, spine and all that kind of stuff, but from my experience, my learning and my watching and, and observations of it, it's really difficult, uh, lads, because what happens is if you're in a wheelchair, people can see that you're in a wheelchair. If you've got a broken leg and you've a cast, they can see all this, Roy. And the complexity of brain injury, right? you might sound the same, you might look the same, but under the hood, i.e. the brain, you might not be blown on all four cylinders, you know, and that's really difficult. And people can't get their head around that. They can't. Why is Larry or Johnny or Mary sounding, looking the same, but they just can't string a proper sense? Why does he keep dropping words out of sentence? Why can he not just or lay a wife? I'll give an example, like wife and husband, and he can't... St- make a cup of tea he has lost the ability to sequence get a cup knock the kettle on grab a tea bag and she's going why are you being fucking lazy what, what what's what's your problem when he has lost that ability or you know uh, initiation he might look sound everything's brilliant but he can't initiate when he gets up in the morning and she says right will you get the kids to school uh oh you gotta get to me mass blah 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 she comes home from work four o'clock five o'clock he's still in the pajamas the kids are all still in the pajamas she's like why didn't you get them uh, ready for school? Why didn't they go to school together? And he's like, I don't know. She's like, what do you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? And that's the complexity of it. So it's really difficult for friends to comprehend that. And they're not in a loving relationship with that person. So they can nine times out of ten bounce and leave them with it and go, ah, oh, look, oh, look, I'm busy and whatever. And the amount of friends yeah. that people with brain injury disabilities lose is phenomenal. And another kind of one is 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 lads that or ladies who would have disability badges on their cars or whatever for whatever reason and people seeing those and they've been pulled many a times why have you got a disability badge in your car you, there's nothing wrong with you you know we've known lads that have and ladies that have had hypoxic injuries that's like you know they've had heart attacks they've lost lots of cognition uh think it's because blah blah yeah they have the ability to walk they could drive it's other there's other parts of the brain that might be affected that wouldn't you wouldn't know and they've had they've got a badge and then people be pulling them in the street pulling them in the car park they're getting embarrassed embarrassed to put their car in the disability car park when they suffer huge amounts of fatigue to, to say walk from the top of one car park to into where they're shopping and then walk around that they, they, they just can't do it because they, they don't have the energy i.e fatigue so they it's embarrassing for them then to put it in the the disability slot because they're afraid people are going to pull them you know and there's many more examples of that you know and that's like that's the the silent disability Again, even, like, even if they have a badge they'll be pulled oh like absolutely, absolutely graham you know yourself what what mm. what the perception is of uh uh disabilities in the irish uh 
society at the moment. And th- through this podcast, I have only learned firsthand the struggles. I, I lived in a bubble at the NRH and we're all looking out for people. We're, we're you know, we're a very kind organisation. We love love it's very patient centre. I'm not just saying that to blow smoke or a hole. The therapists in there are, are sound and they love their job and they love the patients, right? But, but I was in that, that sacred bubble. When I even started doing the podcast and I've heard the likes of your story, uh, uh, Sasha Decker, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, really? Is that what it is? And then I go on outings with trainees i.e. the one I told you about last week was down at Dublin City Council, we were at a concert, and middle-aged woman, the stuff that she said to me about disabilities, I says, wow, is that where we're at? Is that people's morals compass at the moment? I, I couldn't believe it, you know, but it, but it's out there, yeah, so for them, why are you having a disability badge? Sure, there's nothing wrong with you. Sure, you're grand. Sure, you know I mean, same with mental health, same with, you know, unless they see the Place de Paris or the, the wheelchair, Sure, you need to get on with it. You're grand, you know what I mean? Shut up and get on with it. You know, yeah, that's 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 the mentality out there of some people, not all. I don't want to paint everyone that light. That'd be unfair. Yeah. But from my experience, I just I know that people have great difficulty, and the uh, you know it, it's it's hard to advocate for yourself. You're already feeling like a lesser human being. No, I'm saying some people do, and then for someone then to say that you you know if I'm a man and I've got a disability and I'm not providing for my wife, then all of a sudden I can't even go into it. A car park and my disability is being questioned like i can't even get a medical card then all of a sudden some l one or l lad is questioning me that i can't park in a car parking spot and i've got my kids with me and all that is different yeah, i think I, th- I think that is i think there's a huge amount of work and it's something that like i've started to notice more recently um this whole thing of like a hidden disability it's starting to come a little bit more to the surface and a little bit more to kind of areas um like accessible bathrooms for example i started to notice and actually one one of the girls that, that i work with is a massive champion of this and she's really pushing for it to, to come into where i work um where the accessible bathrooms i think the, is it the, the symbol like you have the little symbols on the door but there's like a heart on them or something to represent the, the <coughs> hidden disability um and something so simple like that it just makes you think for a second Oh yeah, look, your eyes don't always tell you the truth, like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and but isn't it terrible that we even have to do that? Isn't it like shouldn't yeah, yeah. anyone, anyone suffering? Like again, what I said at the start, anyone with a disability, anyone that's in a marginalised group should be treated with empathy, compassion, love. We should just be like this is just a symptom of a problem. Like you know, we need to practice empathy, compassion for just anyone, like whether it's wherever marginalised group. You know, mm. it's only when it comes into our consciousness or it's someone in our family or someone's emotionally related to it, then we begin to go, oh, look, they're human and we don't dehumanize them because people in wheelchairs, oh, they're just in a wheelchair. But if Mary's auntie's in a wheelchair or, or, or sister, they'd be singing from the rooftops, let's yeah. go march yeah. disabilities, let's all, you know, wear disability badges. Why can't we do that from the get-go? See a person struggling left or right, you go, ah, oh, you poor fucker, let me help you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like um, <coughs> my first ever job about 13 years ago, um, the wheelchair toilet in the office, obviously. And I was the only wheelchair user in the building. And I went to go to the toilet one day and there's, it was locked. And I was like, who the fuck is that locked? And then and so I, was, I said to myself, feck it. I could be in a mood one day where I'll just go back to my desk and I don't want to pick a fight. Or I'll stay there, I'll be in the horrors and I'll stay there and I'll, I'll say, right, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see who this is and I'll question it. <laughs> so when 
when the door opened, it was the facilities manager of the building. And I says to myself, what the hell? So I said to her, I says, that's, you know, it's a wheelchair toilet. And her reply got to me was, there's no law to say I can't use that. And I'm, the, I'm like, this is my employer. This is the facilities manager and my employer giving me that kind of attitude, gave me attitude with the answer. Like, so I went straight to the manager and I said it. And the manager was kind of just like, shit. The manager was a bit, um, a bit like, geez, I've never dealt with such a query before. What do I do? I could see that in her eyes. So she went over to the facilities manager's desk and she came back and she said to me, look, Graham, uh, she's telling me that it's, that it's, it's not a law. I said, no, it's fucking common decency. It's common courtesy. You know, so there that that was twelve, thirteen years ago, but there are like I was down at a festival as as well years ago. Oxygen might have been our witness. And I was with a girlfriend at the time and uh, there was just a row of able bodied people queuing up for the wheelchair toilet. So I just skipped it. I just skipped it and then the next people came out and I went in and as I was in using the toilet I could hear herself outside the toilet having rows with about twenty fucking people. You know, it's always the wheelchair toilet stuff. And like you said there, Matt, like Danny was explaining the label like on the door or whatever. And like you're saying, we shouldn't have to have those. And I agree. But um, at the same point, it's like, shit, I'm after losing me trying to talk. <laughs> I thought I only do that shit. <laughs> um, like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm after losing it. He's only here for his looks, Danny, isn't he? No, 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 sorry. I've got it. I've got it again. I've got it again. So you were saying there that we shouldn't have to do that, and I agree with that. It's a pity that we don't, but Yeah, and there's so many things that people like myself have to fight for on a daily basis, and people don't really get that, that it's a daily basis. And then you tell them, and they're like, you're serious. And it's it's gone to the point sometimes now where I go to myself, ah, I won't fight for a wheelchair toilet because people need to go toilet. Does, does that make sense? Mm. I'll kind of like, I'll kind of go, right, if I don't need to go to the toilet and I see someone coming out with a wheelchair toilet, I won't pick a row yeah. because I didn't need to go and they need to go. Does that make sense? I kind of oh. I, I kind of pick my battles. Yeah, and absolutely. Wheel, wheelchair toilets are gone down the list somewhat. And I think there's Is more it? important. And I, and, and I don't believe I should do that. But because there's something every day or every week, that's that's I'm kind of going right. That's the least of me worries these days. Yeah, it's about picking your battles, isn't it? And like as I, I text you last week, I was down in Dublin City Council. I'll give you that live example just to, to like how live like 2009 this is going to 2019 this is going on. We booked uh, there was a concert on down there. They do the lunchtime concert. And we went down. We do outings. It's really important to see trainees in a, a social environment so we can give them feedback. You know how they perform in, in the in just a, in an unstructured environment. So we bring them to these things. We went to Dunsey Council. There was seats booked for us, uh, reserved. They were just steps. It goes around in a horse, a half, a horseshoe kind of shape. And there was loads of them reserved. We didn't probably need as much. And some of them were gone getting a coffee. Some were hanging around and some sat down. But I was just kind of standing around, kind of making a bit of presence, say, look, oh, we have these. Because security wasn't really doing that. And a woman came over. And I just said to her, and she was going to sit down. I said, sorry, I says, look, I says, I'm kind of cringing a little bit. I says, we have these books, you know. I thought the signs were, were clear enough. They were huge, big black and white signs. And she says, uh, what do you mean, booked? I says, they're reserved. I says, I work in the National Rehabilitation Hospital. I said, I have my badge here. She goes, I've never heard of that reserved. Should I not be forced, come, forced, served? And I says, I said, I'm working with disabilities. I said, sorry, I, didn't, I mightn't have mentioned that to you. 
And she goes, no, no, I heard you. I says, it should be force come, force serve. And I says, wow, I says, uh, that's where your moral compass is at. So, you know, so, right, inside from somebody that has experienced equality all his life, I'm raging. But then I have to be very mindful and represent the organisation. I'm... I, I, I don't understand her background and her ignorance and her unconsciousness to another human being struggling. But inside me, I'm dying a debt. You know, I want to say, and go feral, obviously, and say, ah, oh, you're fucking joking me here, you know. But it, that's what you're up against, pure ignorance, pure, like, she obviously doesn't know what it's like for another human being. Or maybe she does, and it's just being an absolute witch. I, 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 I hope. Oh, that, stop. Years I ago, hope Danny, remember I told not you the years latter. ago. I worked out in, uh, when I worked in Vodafone in, in up in Leopardstown and it was the snow and I think it was 2010 and it was that real heavy snow that time. My car was getting service so I had to get the Lewis home and uh, on the way to the Lewis, the, the, it was a kind of, it was a, a footpath uh, kind of down a, a slope. So I said to myself, stupidly said to myself, right, I'll do a wheelie down this because I'm all right at wheelies, you know. And uh, <laughs> snow, belts and all that. Yeah. The, the snow had me, uh, the snow slipped, I slipped on it and I fell on my back and um, the chair toppled over and I had a had a man come over within seconds. I was up and all within about three or four seconds because of this man. But then a woman approached me and said, you shouldn't be out in that thing in these conditions. And I'm like, are you for real? Isn't it? It, it is mad. Like, like it's those real life examples that we think are important so that people know that there is a particular mindset or you know there are there are particular groups of people who have a mindset of and you now look age may play a factor there are some people who kind of you know they're just of a different time a different place thing, yeah. yeah you know and and that, that's not an excuse but at the same time it at least helps you appreciate right we can kind of see where they're coming from they wouldn't have as you know, progressive or as modern an attitude. But then there's some people who are just like, nah, you are just a great a wanker. And that's the only way of putting uh, it, like, you know? Yeah, I mean? it, was, it, was, it got worse then. So then there was another, a, a woman and a man came along and they actually just sat down, blank, point blank, they sat down. And then again, I went over and, you know, nicely said, look, I'm from the rehab. Uh, these sl- slots are uh, allocated to disability, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, where are they? And I says, somewhere uh-huh. here, somewhere around. Well, when they come along, I'll decide. And I says, I, I don't understand you. I says, what do you mean? She goes, I'll have a look. And I says, are you going to assess them? Is that what you mean? She says, I will decide. She goes, by the way, I have a sore neck, so that gives me a disability. And she turned away. What? I swear to God, hand, I, mean, I swear my man's holy pictures. She turned her back to me. <laughs> and I says, that's really real. I said, I'm trying to explain something to you. I'm trying to uh, appeal to your softer side to understand I says you know it's packing up here and it just again and if she probably had seen them that they're not physical disabilities she would have been ah sure who's this fella with his badge and blah 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 so right I felt really awkward I felt it invoked a lot of me like I was hurt for them and I was representing them I felt like I wasn't helping and you know so you can only imagine Graham Dan what would it be like for somebody you know in the position, if they were on their own and they were allocated seats, you know, you know, you live oh, it, you experience absolutely. it. Uh, I, I can't believe, I can't believe you want it. It sinks me heart, it really does, and it, you know, I just felt lost, and I, and again, I don't understand the complexity of brain, I don't understand the complexity of living with a disability, but fuck me, 
I know what it's like to be hurt. I know what it's like to be hopeless, lost, on your own, on your Sweeney. And then for and somebody like that to not fucking feel for you, it's like, Jesus, Jesus, that's that's rough as a badger's. But the, the fact that she was with somebody else and that person remained silent in that situation, especially when she fucking threw out an absolute view of drive a sore neck, I've a disability. Like, Absolutely, he was like a lapdog. Come he on. He was like he was like Thunderbirds. His head didn't move, but his eyes were going left, right, left, right. Yeah. <laughs> the sense he, of privilege there as well. Oh, uh, look, I never, like, Graham. I used to hate that word. I used to think privilege. What's that mean? And that was when I was ignorant. What do you mean privilege and all that? But you know what? We live in a society. We're privileged to be alive, and we're, we've got so much benefit. So Jesus, we need to look around for people and realize how privileged we fucking are. How privileged we are. When you see people in marginalised groups, the more marginalised you are, in my observation is, the lesser important you are. And that stems from mm. government down. You know, when you talk about the funding, and I interviewed a guy called Mark O'Keefe last week, a kid with autism, and the money being pulled for SNAs and all that. And to me, that just reeks of the lower down you are in the, the order of need for the country or priorities, the less you're going to get. You know, if you're not paying taxes, and I don't know, I don't know much about politics and all that kind of bullshit. But I do know when, when you're a marginalised group, society's not helping out as much as you need, you know. And that, and, that, and that's quite sad, you know, and it, uh, it hurts me. And sometimes I just have to try to get that out of my mind and go back to the job because then I don't become person-centred. You lose the person when you're fighting the system. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight the system. But for me, my greatest effect is to be there and help people, you know. And, yeah. Uh, what's with that that's that's the that's a bad aspect of your role when you have experiences of that what what are like what what fulfills what what fulfillments is there this this is this what do you love about it like this is funny when people hear me say this are trainees we call them trainees but they're called patients or something but you come in to train the train to go back to whatever they are my kind of motivation they're my inspiration they're my kind of wow oh my god you are unreal you're an incredible human being look i like some of their stories like that you hear, you would say to yourself, that was me. I just got, ah, good night. I'm not getting out of bed. This is just game over. They keep turning up. They keep plugging away. They keep believing and, you know, believing in us, turn up. And they, they say to us in the organization, they go, oh, you do so much for us, blah, 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 blah. We don't. They do. They keep turning up. They're fucking resilient. They're tough. They're durable. And the incredible human beings, and like I swear to God, I'd be blown away by 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 their stories, where they've come from, what they've had to get through, the adversity, the success, and the human soul that just comes out. It's very easy to see when you're dealing with people. You can see the like I don't want to say the old person, but you can see them as if they talk about old and the new and the new me. But you can really see that. The person is still there. Do you know what I mean? And they're fighting through, and they're not giving up. It's it's kind of it's surreal. You do forget the injury then, and you just you just meet them as a person. And that's what I that was what I always did when I joined the organisation. I just seen people as people, and then it's like someone getting a job or any kind of success. You go fucking hell, wow! How did you do that? And kind of that's the same for me with disabilities. How have you got this far on a fucking on a shoestring, you know what I mean? Like if you've lost a lot, friends, families, it's all gone tits up, and you're still here. You're not giving up. Like to me, that's bananas. Yeah. So that's, did, that's did you have any experience, man, in your family or someone with a disability, or what got you in? Was there no. a, was there a 
was there a life experience that said, Feck, I'm gonna help the more vulnerable in society or Oh yeah, Graham. I, I've I've had childhood trauma. You know, I've had things happen to me as a child, and I talked about my own podcast. You know, like sex abuse as a kid, t- a young teenager that I was sexually abused. I had bad things said to me uh, when I was a kid. That in, that's like lots of people. We've all had ch- childhood trauma. Some people don't have the 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 luck to recognize it and just you know, go down a path where that led me to realizing that I had child trauma and then that opened up and then I was in the hospital and it all kind of came to fruition together. You know, I, I started working in the hospital, I started working in the prisons and I started engaging in mental health service myself, you know, counseling, antidepressants, all this kind of thing. And then I'm walking alongside all these people and I can't say, like, and this was in 2012, I still can't be going on the lash and going on the piss, but still working with these people regularly, you know, and that's when I kind of uh, realize, you know, I can I can relate to these kind of people. I understand what it's like to feel hopeless and lost or suicidal and all these kind of things, you know, because I have felt all those. I just never had a language for it. I just knew where I could get a bag of yolks and a few points, do you know what I mean? And that yeah. was my language and that was my therapy. And then all of a sudden when I stopped drinking and partying, somewhat I engaged and I had flicker. I flickered in and flickered out, but then, I started doing my degree and it all got serious in 2012. I was right, right, head down, arse up, and then engaging it. And I went into an open mind as in no drink, no drugs, and all that kind of stuff. And then when you're walking alongside these people, you go, hold on, I have to be, I have to be, you know, who I say I'll be in service of them. You know, I've done loads of different courses, the suicide stuff. The, I went around filling, uh, you know, like a, a, a toolbox in my mind of things that would support these people. But also support myself in service of them, you know. So you needed to fix yourself before you. A hundred percent, Graham. A hundred percent. You have to. You, 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 it's very hard uh, to to. And here's the question: in service of other people, you have to look after you. And it's it, this. My counselor says some years ago, you know, about being empathetic towards the patients. You know, you're really empathetical and. You, 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 it's, I can tell by your voice that you really worry and care about. And I says, I do. She says, why, uh, why are you not empathetical towards yourself? So and I was like, are you saying that my empathy is disingenuine? She says, no, I'm just asking. And that really made me think of going, I'm trying to help these people. I'm saying to them, you know, look after you and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I went, wow. And that was a turning point for me to look after myself genuinely. Like genuinely, before I was going to counseling, trying to do the right thing. But the real kind of therapy I started doing onto myself was practicing compassion and empathy for me for when I make a mistake, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, that I say, do you know what? You're not the worst fucker in the world. You made a mistake, man. It's all right. And then I, you know, you know when you you were saying there about uh, drink and, say, recreational drugs, do you think the recreational drugs um, had a part to play in... Like, you obviously experienced trauma, and to escape yeah. that trauma in your head, you were dealing with it by going partying and recreational drugs and drink. Mm. Um, but obviously, recreational drugs has a part to play negatively to your mind. Uh, so, was it hard to get off that? Uh, 
It, no, and it wasn't. It wasn't one of those things that you just. Uh, it just happened. Like boom, it wasn't a light bulb moment. I slowly brought things into my life that were beneficial to me, and I start taking things out of my life that weren't beneficial to me. You know, I deleted numbers out of my phone. I stopped going out because I had to do an assignment. I couldn't go on the lash because I was doing work experience in a, in, a, in a football club. I was coaching my house cross, so I couldn't be out partying. I wasn't taking invites to go to clubs. I stopped knocking around with people. I, I, I kind of just disappeared. I just torn the ship in the direction where I wanted to go. You know, and it wasn't a gigantic torn one day. I'm giving up. I'm cutting this out. I'm cutting that out. Beautiful dog, by the way. Deadly. Uh, <laughs> deadly has caught me eye. Yeah, so it wasn't It wasn't a matter of just, I'm going to give up drugs. I'm never, I'm never doing this again. And it didn't happen like that. I just gradually stopped doing what I did that were detrimental to the path that I was hoping to go on. And I wasn't quite sure where I was going. I just knew that, fuck, I thought I was a dumbass. I failed school, failed me leaving, failed relationships, failed, failed, failed. And all of a sudden, I'm getting forced honours here, forced honours there, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, I'm actually good at this. And that in itself became like an addiction and a drug. I'll follow this path. This will prove that I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. Uh, I'll show you all. And then, you know, I, I didn't kind of veer down that road and I just went to the opposite direction. So, yeah, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's per se, uh, it was hard. It was, The road I was going in was just more appealing. I just, if I go out, I can't go, uh, do my assignments. And that, and that was the kind of the, the, the way it kind of went. And I just gradually turned and then I just don't look back that way now. Yeah, we were talking about there uh, hidden disabilities and the brain injuries and stuff. And it just br- it brought back a, a story, I had a little anecdote, where years ago I was uh, coaching um, a young lad um, uh, in basketball. And I was, you know, I was telling him the, the proper practice and how you shoot and, and, and layups and all. And um, I found myself having to tell him every 20 seconds. You know, any instruction I gave him, he was asking me again within a half a minute later. And I didn't know. I was like, but Jesus, 10, 10 questions later, I was kind of nearly getting frustrated. And then next minute, um, someone picked him up and I said, oh, yeah, he got on well. Um, I had to repeat myself loads of times, though. So just to, just to give you a heads up on that. And they're like, oh, yeah, he, he has a brain injury. And that he has, he loses his memory very quickly. I was like, for Jesus' sake, he's could have told me before. Like, I was getting frustrated with the poor chap. Yeah, yeah. It's look, it's it's so it's so complex. And then again, Graham, I was only talking. It's funny. I was only talking to a girl today, and I'm I'm uh, on case working, and she was saying to me, "Oh, my memory is not great, and all that, you know." And I says, "Look, my observation is, I've seen you in action. I've seen we've run, done a few sessions in the gym together." And your cardio and your memory is absolutely fine. I said, how would you think your attention is? I said, do you pay attention? Like when you go into your house, you throw your keys down, you go look for them and you go, oh, my fucking memory's gone. But did you pay attention to where you put your keys in the first place? But straight away, we, I don't remember where I put my keys. So that must mean my memory's gone. But no, did you pay attention where you put them? So attention, fatigue and attention play a huge role in memory. He probably wasn't paying attention to He's probably daydreaming across the, the room blah 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 and just loss of attention so attention is the fourth part so we have to you know pay attention information process attention there's a whole kind of triangular of of a how it all works you know yeah, uh, yeah so sometimes it's not always memory but it can be and that's very 
similar to what lots of things in brainage can be. They can be misunderstood. Like, same again, information processing is a huge difficulty, front, frontal lobal stuff, uh, information process difficulties. When you tell somebody something, they go, like, let's say, sure, I want you to go down and collect the kids, say, at 7 o'clock. Do you understand? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it goes in the year, bounces around, not processed properly. He has an Scooby-Doo, what you said. He can't process. He's just saying, yeah, yeah, because he's really embarrassed or she's really embarrassed. And that's, you know, or listen to the news and you're sitting there listening. It's You hear the words, you're hearing the, the, the voices, but the information is just not processing. It's going in with nothing. And then you think, is it a memory? No, it, it could be a processing. It could be an executive problem. It's so complex. How would I explain it? It's like a bowl of spaghetti, throwing it on the floor, putting the back in the bowl and asking her all to do the same thing. Fuck, fuck. That's, it's nuts, isn't it? You yeah. Know? And when, you're, when you're saying, even when you're explaining it like that, though, when you're saying it, memory versus attention, like, like I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm like one of the worst offenders possible to be like, oh, I don't fucking remember. My memory's gone. No. I wasn't listening to what Meryl was saying 90% of the time. No, I didn't actually register when I was putting my keys down. That's where I put them. So then when I'm going to work the next morning, I'm like, I always leave my keys in one spot. Where? What that? Blah, blah. That kind of thing, you know? Um, so when you're saying memory versus attention, it's it's fucking ringing alarm bells for me. And I'm like, I better start yeah, paying attention. Like, more. Look, we, we, and it's, look, there's so many adults. There's so many people go around with ADD, you know, adult uh, attention deficit disorder, ADHD. And it's just a lot of it's in childhood and trauma and all these kind of things. And, but it's labelled as an oh, memory or it's, you know, yeah, yeah. anything. Uh, yeah, and that's just a, a small glimpse into the complexity of it. And then, then like any kind of uh, disability, it's different for everyone. The brain is, mm-hmm. di- like, this really opened my eyes up to the difference between one human being to the other. You can all be umbrella as a brain injury, but the, the, the symptoms and the complexity of it are totally... S- s- to that person it's they're, they're they're not they can be have similar symptoms but you know they're you know one person will not be the same as the other how would one how would how would one acquire a brain injury uh there's many there's you know a tbi is traumatic brain injury so that's a fall a, a bang a crash and then another one is an, an abi which is an acquired one you know through a sickness an illness uh that kind of thing you know uh, non-traumatic uh hypoxic injuries and abi you know uh, and do do you all present with different problems, different deficits based on the 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 location of the injury, like frontal lobal, the front, the back? It could lose different parts of the body, you know. Depending, it could be a stroke. There's there's lots of different uh, there's lots of different causes, you know. There's different severities as well, isn't there? Like, there's, oh. like well, I mean, obviously, but like when when you're saying some of the labels there and. Uh, and I know I was saying about the memory and attention thing and then jumping back to the rabbit holes and some when you're saying some of those, you know, and the abbreviations are coming back to me. And I remember one in particular, uh, DAI, I think it was, was like a diffusal something injury, diffusal, diffuse injury or something like that. But okay. that was like, um, that was one where most of the time it results in kind of either like, you know, comatose or a vegetative state. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. it was kind of sca- scaling back from there. So when you're saying... Yeah. The ones that you're saying, uh, and, like the acquired brain injuries and and traumatic brain injuries, like 
some of those could be like people who were involved in a sporting accident or you know like like mountain climbers for example obviously if they fall you know chances are they're gonna hurt themselves badly uh, motor racing drivers who are in a crash would be another example of people who get them common enough and that kind of thing but they're the extreme examples obviously but like you're you're encountering people who in everyday life are, are kind of you know it's it's not somebody who was driving around silverstone at 200 miles an hour and was in an accident that got them these, these are people who you know th- th- they're walking the street a couple of weeks ago when in something's happened that's caused them to get here like and mm. um, so they don't necessarily have the the resource or the back and say of being a professional sports person and the advantages to come with that if they pick up an injury just how mm. sorry go on go on well, no, what were you going to say? I thought you were going to ask a question. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, how do you, or do you find that, like, the it's not just the person that's struggling, but but the family kind of are trying to find a way to cope with this as well, like, because, you know, as, as we were kind of saying earlier, the support system maybe isn't as strong as it should be for these situations. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, look, it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> no one's immune to the, the effects of a brain injury when you get it. And if you have money, sometimes it mightn't do you any use. You know, if you have, like, you can have a severe brain injury falling off the side of a chair. You can have a mild brain injury, you know, even in sports, all these, it, this, the situation can be so different. The effects can be so different. You know, there's mild does moderate and a severe brain injury, you know, and yeah, like the the supports, the supports uh, is really important, you know. Uh, people need it; they need lots of family around them. But sometimes the the result of the brain injury will be the result of the brain injury, you know. And you can have all the money in the world to throw at it. Sometimes it will not go back to the way it was, and you will not go back to the way you want to perform. You know, yeah. based on whatever you did, if it was a job or a, a sport that you want to go back to it, the injury will determine. You can get interventions and all that, you know, uh, but sometimes just throw money. And we see that with people that have lots of money, you know, they'll try throw money at stem cells to go, go at, go at it, go at it, you know, balls to the wall. But a lot of time, right, and I've seen this a lot in the role that I do and just from speak people, Brain injury is brain injury, but come with that sometimes is physical disability. And when I work with people that have a physical disability along with a brain injury, 90% of their attention is on the physical. You know, to be going off getting, when is me physio? When is me physio? And I'm saying to them, look, you've got significant injuries, you know, to your cognition. We need to look at your memory. You need to look at your information process. What do you think? And you can't do therapy on the people. And they're like, so what time is me physio on Wednesday? You know, and I'll sometimes have to make them miss the physio just so they don't understand us as a memory deficit. And they go, I miss my physio. And I was like, how did you do that? And it's like, oh, I forgot. How do you think I forgot? Oh, my memory. I mean, you do that a couple of times, right? And they become near the end of the program. The physical disabilities might not have changed. You know, if they're, if they're hemiplegic, if they're paralyzed down one side and they think physio will, will get me out of this because all they're thinking, people in the street say to them, oh, you look and sound the same. You look like you're back to your old self. We're under the hood of it. They're nowhere near where they used to be. But what aesthetically people can see, that's all they care about. And they come near the end of the program, they're like, fuck, my memory, my information process, my executive skills, like planning, organization. How am I going to get back to college? When they've spent most of the program worrying about the physical. Now, I'm not saying all. I'm just saying 
I have experienced that. And society yeah. does that to people. They put so much emphasis on aesthetics. What me Auntie Bernie says about me, what me Uncle Johnny says. Oh, you look great. Oh, you be nobody going back to college. Yeah, you might be grand walking back. But when you get there, you're not going to organize your folder, what room to be in, blah, 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 blah. Your thinking skills are still are really compromised, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting with, with the mild and moderate. I was at a conference in uh, Trinity and there was a lot of double players and some other things headway. And they were talking about uh, uh, concussion. Right, and they go, Oh, concussion, it really grinds on me. The word concussion, concussion is a brain injury. And this girl was talking to me, she goes, Look, oh, I had concussion, and, and she said all the symptoms and deficits that she had were no different to the guys that I had in the unit forgetting stuff, not being able to organize a daughter's birthday party, blah blah blah. These are all presentations of brain injury that we deal with that prevent yeah. people going back to a life you know that they want to do. And she's standing there calling it concussion, it just makes it kind of white and fluffy like let's call it a brain injury your brain injured and you know again i don't know if that's the stigma they don't want to be attached with having a brain injury and think i won't repair from this blah 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 but if i call it concussion people go how is your concussion oh that's grand yeah oh. yeah I, I think concussion's only a weird one as well what's yeah. that oh, yeah it's only a headache yeah do you know uh, what i mean like but there's damage under there there's cellular damage under there there's neurons being damaged there's pathways yeah yeah you know axons dendrons has been things damaged and you know it's like rerouting dublin bus and asking to go to fingless when they should have been going through town and it's just messed yeah. up and then you to try function in your everyday life it's fucking yeah. difficult for them definitely and concussion is one of them and i think over the last couple of years it started to come more to, to the kind of headlines and more to light just how severe concussion <laughs> is which is brilliant because you need to if you get a bang on the head Get, get checked essentially like you know what i mean but uh like the it's it's weird that you're saying that it's underplayed like I, i've had a couple of concussions let's say and uh like the first one that i got was it, it more or less was just kind of like ah don't want strenuous and relax for a few days was the medical advice i was given it was, it was literally just you know just sit around for a few days you'd be grand like yeah yeah um but but now like being older and you know having access to the internet and being able to read things and all and like I had no idea how severe concussions are like what what they actually are do you know what I mean and I, I definitely didn't know that you know if if you kill brain cells if something happens to a part of your brain they don't re- it's not like when you cut yourself and the skin will regrow and all that like if you lose brain cells they're gone they don't they, regenerate they, you, know, you know exactly That's yeah you just reroute you know if you had like a message going from A to B and it was blocked off, killed half the way. It'd have to try then go all the way around by, by Y and M and K and try get that. And you can even trying to grasp that in your mind. That's, that's difficult. And, and then a lot of the chances I won't get there. So you might yeah. lose it in ability and yeah, I might not come back and brain cells just don't regrow. So mm. it doesn't that paint a picture to you that concussion is damaging. Like, it's, I think it's a badly designed uh, piece of work, architecture or whatever you want to call it, like a really sensitive CEO of an organization, the most important thing in the world, stuck in this weird shell that has rough edges and you can shake. It's like it's like, uh, it's like sticking it's like sticking tomatoes in a can, right? It's in a nice steel can, but you shake the can of tomatoes. It's not going to come out looking like it did when they put it in in the Heinz factory or whatever. 
it's a steel can, but it's going da, 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 da. it'll come out damaged, but it's still yeah. tomatoes. Do you know? And yeah. it's not going to look and perform the way it did when it went in. You'll still eat it. Obviously, it's, I hope that's an okay analogy, but yeah, no, no, that's perfect. Come here, you have what? You have a Hoyne's brain suit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a podcast as well, Matt, called yeah. the Magic Minds podcast. Yeah. When, when, and why did you set that up? That was again, like I said, I, I'm just blown away by pe- blown away by people's stories. I just, I just love when people tell me what they did and why they did it and how they did it. And you know yourself, you're like, fuck, that's incredible. Like, and I remember getting the lift down to collect the sofa with me mate and we we're this dutch guy and he was late my mate was going bananas he's sitting in the car beside me out the van and yeah and i said why had you late he's oh i was down the docks i was building the boat and i was like what kind of boat what is it and i know interest in boats I want to know what he was doing and he's there telling me all about he makes boats designs something and he makes him beside me going would you shut the fuck up who cares about the boat shut up and i'm like no shut up and he told me, and I was blown away. And that really made me think, I am fascinated by this. So is, is that desire, the trainees that I work with, some of their stories is just incredible. How they survived, how they do what they do. And I was like, I need to capture that. And then there was this innate thing in me to learn and understand my own stuff, my own mental health. I'm surrounded by all these professionals that could share the knowledge with me. And I says, why not use that and blend them together, inspiration, education, and it was just that. And I just thought, you know what? Uh, and I'm just going to learn. And it's been like going to the hospital, like a lot of things I did. It's been a happy accident. Do you know what I mean? And it's kept me safe. My, my mental health has never been as good. Uh, my knowledge and my hunger and thirst for knowledge has been satisfied. And I love it. it like, And it's took me out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm on Facebook. I'm making videos and blogs. I never did that a year or two ago. I would never put myself out. I feared what people would think of me. People would think of me, think I was some fucking e. Oh, look at your man thinking he's Billy Big Bollocks, you know, whatever. I'd have never done that, you know. Uh, but the podcast has given me that, uh, and now I'm just, you know what? I'll give it a whack, and it's been it's been a mad, mad uh, journey. Brilliant. Uh, well, any like any anybody you'd love to interview that you haven't yet. Uh, I've said this a long time, but I feel like I'm stalking her now. Uh, Imelda May, uh, she lives only around the corner from me. Why would I want to interview her? She's such an advocate for the area. Uh, she's she's just a good egg. I know her since I was a kid. And she, I don't know her, but I know of her. And she, she, I think she was a team leader in a club that I used to go with. And she does, she's really good for the area. Uh, she's from the Liberties. I love the Liberties. I love the area. Uh, yeah, so I'd definitely love to get her on. I look, I could bang off names who I'd love to get. Roy Kane, fucking Harry Cantona. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't. Would it be stories to have the power to inspire? I don't know, but it'd be just me being a selfish hooker, and I just love is, to have the crack with them. Is that what you want, though? You want guests that have the power to inspire most of the time, is it? Ah, yeah. Like the, the, our our motto is stories to have the power to inspire, and that can again, it's very like me and random. It, you can get inspiration from anything. You know, I like I remember looking at you when I first start when I first started off looking at the Twitter and the stuff that you guys did, and I was thinking, oh my god, that's on that's incredible. So you guys inspired me. You know, you used to stoke a couple of insecurities. Me, oh, I'll never be as good as that, or I'll never. Geez, they're really good and blah blah blah. But I mean, nah, hold on a minute, they're just two lads from the brack, whatever. 
and that was inspirational for me. So I took inspiration and motivation, and I used to watch, like, what's the thing you did there one time I thought it was just genius? Uh, the crisp thing. You know that the Chris World Cup, like I was like <laughs> fucking hell, that is back of the net stuff. That's like I was watching that going, this is going off, this is live, it's deadly. So I was going, fuck, that's accessible. And if I can do it, then I will be just like what you're doing here. You invite me on your podcast, you are sound to come on mine. And if I can do that to other people and give them a dig out and a, a hand up the ladder, yeah, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Nothing to be feared. Well, yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll I'll let you in on a little secret. Go on. What? I'll, I'll, I'll let Matt in on a little secret here. Yeah. There's no magic. There was no magic behind the Chris World Cup. There was desperation and necessity behind that. <laughs> necessity is no, the mother of all invention. No, you, no. You said it, mate. You gonna said fucking, it. I'm gonna disagree with you. There was magic. It's fucking. <laughs> give yourself a pat. No, that's that's like deadly. Like was, no matter oh, what way it came. It's, it's 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 it was fantastic and it was it fucking was it blew me away. The, what? Hold the highest point of me whole while yeah. we were struggling for material one week. <laughs> That's <laughs> the truth of it. Jamie, myself and Graham, we had no guest that week. We're like, oh look, we'll just shoot the breeze for now and see what happens. And the conversation was going about forty minutes and going absolutely fucking nowhere. Right. And here's, here's, just out of nowhere, like crisps. Right. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny so, you say that. And you just pulled that out of nowhere. I was in EP the weekend and I got back me and my brother rang me and said does a, start, does a video going around with you mate yeah, my best mate and use that picnic right and it's on uh, it's on TikTok and it's after getting a million views and 500 likes or 400 likes and I said what so I looked at it this girl my mate was going around with sunglasses uh, missing my mate was missing a glass and this girl picked up a glass and she brought up them she filmed it and she said you've had to find in your glass and my mate turned around and goes ah stop and he, he's a bit of a good looking fecker my mate right and he gets me mate to hold the point and he goes this is a bit of a cinderella moment right and she cuts it at that puts it out uh ep cinderella man and it's uh, now it's up to three million three million hits on tiktok what? he's got thousands of messages the comments are going it's gone boiling over the world right she, all she done was this, filmed it, and captioned it in a certain way, just like you as pair of fuckers did. That's genius. There's a tin line between genius and insanity. is not that what you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, was reluctant, I was really reluctant to have you on, though, Matt, because of your St. Patrick's athletic background. Ah, now, look, there's no problem. We, we talked about disabilities, didn't we? We're not going to start <laughs> slating me that. <laughs> right? I, I don't go up near the piggery. I fucking, <laughs> I'm allergic to Piggy. <laughs> but he's, like, he's a Pats of parties. We've bought him season tickets for, for donkey's years. Now he's an OAP. He just goes up and gets a student or a, an OAP badge or an OAP thing. And he just loves it. I mean, ah, he eats and breathes. I think there is a small part from Graham that uh, is the Rover supporter in there because he used to go up when he was in Milltown and like my dad just loves football. He played rugby, all he played for CY and all that kind of thing. And my dad was a wrestler. He used to get stick in school of my dad being a wrestler and drove a Honda oh, fifty. No way. He was called my Black. Dad was a wrestler. My dad was uh you know one of the, the Roman Greco and wrestling things. He was no coach yours team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a fucking my dad's a bit of a That's legend. Mad. Yeah, yeah, he, he, when we were kids, he, he have the, still have the pictures, the fucking thing, like something about Mary on his head, and the, 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 the budgie smuggler yokes. I think that's what my <laughs> was into him. Have you interviewed him? <laughs> me, da. Yeah. 
No, 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 he never. I should actually. He's a mad fucker. He works himself as a painter and decorator. He's just, you should interview yeah. him. Jesus, yeah. that, that sounds like a Tell us about story you or two in that. What? There's definitely a story or two in that alone, like. Like, he's a lunatic. He had cancer and he, he does have cancer. He's kidney cancer. And he got one of his kidneys out five days later or two later, a few days later. He was out on his bike, back to work. He's got a phenomenal attitude. He's cancer like seven years. And all he thinks about is how am I going to get back to work? And it's not about money. Like, he doesn't have a lot of money. I mean, he doesn't give a fuck about money, really. But he just loves the work and he it's he's got a fantastic attitude. But yeah, he used to drive a Honda 50 and uh, he was a wrestler and people used to slag him in school, call me Black Fist. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly. That is a great story, then, because we've just run out of Whoa. time. Come here, um, for people listening, where can they follow you, or where, where's the podcast and stuff like that? Oh, give yourself, absolute, give yourself a plug there. I'm an absolute social media whore, so I'm on it. All the social media, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know, we're across all the podcasts, fucking servers. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. I'm an actual YouTuber now. How fucking cringing. I say that to me, six-year-old daughter. <laughs> Jesus, dad, I'm just embarrassed by you. <laughs> there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of years left of that, you know. Speak to your 19-year-old sister. She'll tell you. I'm like, yeah, I've got two baby mamas. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that you've asked me on. This is up there with my lifetime achievements, you know, winning Bonnie Baby two years in a row. And getting to the last 150 of boys on auditions. Where can you get you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Zed Banda. Zed uh, Banda. And then we also at magicminds.ie or at magicminds. Uh, yeah. And you can get Magic Minds on any podcast provider. Just search Magic Minds. Yeah, Magic Minds podcast. We're not all them. Yeah, we're, we're, we're there and thereabouts. Lovely. Uh, Listen, thanks for your time, Matt. I'm absolutely, honestly, bottom of my heart, I'm really thankful that you asked me. I do love your podcast, the stuff you do, but also the work that you do in the community, the likes of work you link in with, uh, Jumpers for Goals, Key Kelly, your dad, your old lad, just great servants of the community, and that's really what I'm impressed about, uh, and obviously the work you do on the podcast. Yeah, so keep up the deadly work. I really appreciate it. Up the brack. Up the brack. It's all about community, Matt. Uh, yeah, like I, I've never been so connected to the community. I never was. I was always like, I'll oh, just do my own fucking thing. But it's all about And that's what the podcast kind of has done for me is realize how uh, how important connection is, community connection. And when I say community, it's everyone that we're all in the same boat struggling like fuck, you know, even the poor Pat supporters. Yeah. Danny, where can, where can you get our podcast? If people want to get all 220 odds, episodes of this multi-award winning audio sensation that is what's the story podcast they can go to itunes stitcher podbean podcast republic podcast addict anywhere and everywhere there's a podcast Mero. all they have to search for is wts pod and they'll find us in our dulcet tones there waiting ready to embrace them in a little audio package that'll keep them entertained for many's an hour you can get That's him it. on twitter at American Mania, I'm at Angelo Murray. The podcast is obviously at WTS Pod. And uh, look, lads, go off now and be kind to yourselves. And if that involves things that you do in a room alone, so be it. But the one thing I would ask of you is that you do that while you listen to us. Exactly. <laughs> and let us know. <laughs> Until next time. Yeah, that's it. Matt, thanks for me, mate. Clear eyes. Uh, thanks Clear a lot. Hearts.
can't lose. Who's we? Look. <laughs>